0: Everyone, my name is Nicole. I'm Brenna. I'm Reed. and this is FicClick.
1: This is a podcast where we talk about fanfiction each week. Um, the three of us pick one fic each to share with each other and share with you. This week, my pick is "The Crown of the Summer Court" by Astolat.
2: Read. My pick is Love Among the Hydrothermal Vents by Devil Doll and Nicole.
0: And my pick is Every Man I Fall For by Might Be an Asshole.
2: So as I mentioned, this episode, my pick is Love Among the Hydrothermal Vents by Devil Doll. It is a Marvel Cinematic Universe fic. Um, the pairing is Steve Rogers, Tony Stark. Just as a content warning for this fic, um, there are some unwanted romantic and sexual advances made, but the fic overall has a very lighthearted, comedic tone. Um it's not tagged on the archive, but just to give you guys a heads up. So the um premise of this fic is that uh like I mentioned, it's set in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but this is written in 2013, and um the author mentioned that at the time and still currently um Namor, who is the Prince of Atlantis underwater. Ooh,
1: what a title though. <laughs> what a title. <laughs> the Prince uh... of Atlantis. <laughs> it's my oh, dream job. King?
2: It's... King.
1: I don't know. Oh, but prince, I think he's the king. prince. Makes it sound more like a romance novel. <laughs> yeah, 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 so yeah. We'll keep it as the prince. Duke of Atlantis. Yes. Ooh, Ooh um, spicy. <laughs>
2: um, he is a character in the comics. He had not yet been introduced in the movies. Is still not introduced. So the author themselves mentions that um, they kind of take a bit from the comics, a bit of their own characterization. Um, the premise is that the Avengers get invited to um, Namora's palace. In Atlantis, and it's made immediately clear that Namor really is a thing for Steve and starts aggressively courting him. And Steve is not interested. Um, and this leads to um the tag fake slash pretend relationship.
1: Oh, um, Ooh, a classic.
2: A <laughs> classic indeed. Um. Part of the reason that I picked this fic is because it's kind of a fandom classic. Um, it's very it's very tropey, it's very light-hearted, it's very funny. Um, it's a fic that, it was written in 2013, um, and I read it d- uh, around the time that it came out, and I think maybe once again, um, and I hadn't read it for a little while, and I came back to it for fic click and was surprised and delighted to find that I laughed out loud I think just as many times rereading it now as I did when I first read it. Um, it's a fic that just, like, it's kind of a comfort fic. It makes me happy, I really like it, it's very easy to fall into, um... It's 26,000 words, but I think because of the tone, to me, it feels much shorter. It goes by very quickly. Yeah, so it's it's an easy read, a fun read, and that's kind of uh, why I picked it. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Brenna also was uh, is familiar with Marvel, like oh, has yeah, treaded baby. some of the same fandom spaces. <laughs> Nicole, not so much. I'm
0: a <laughs> bit of a stony enthusiast. That's, yeah, that's true. Those say. are facts,
1: baby. <laughs> I will say for you, uh-huh. you might not have spent a lot of time in fandom, but I do know that you've seen at least a few of the MCU movies. I have seen, which is more than movie. we can say for a lot of movies. And yes, yes, <laughs> true. yes, I don't watch a
0: lot of movies. I have seen almost every single movie in the MCU. The exceptions are like any of the, the bad Iron Man's. Oh
1: no! Which is I know. the <laughs> best one, Nick? Hello. <laughs> I thought
0: you were gonna say, like, Doctor Strange, and I was oh, like, I must have seen that. <laughs> I walked out during Doctor Strange.
2: And that's, yeah, that's fair. That's probably right. Yeah, I didn't I watch sh- it. I can't believe I forgot that you've never seen even the first Iron Man. That yeah. hurts me oh, so deeply. It's okay. um,
0: part, but I've seen, like, heart. the Avengers. I've seen mm-hmm. Captain America, the first American. <laughs> was, I, oh, was, <laughs> was I close? It's actually really close. First, <laughs> the first, the first Avenger. Soul uh, Avenger. The first, uh, the first, <laughs> first American.
1: <laughs> America didn't exist before, Steve. I've seen it. <laughs> <I don't laughs> know, right. off train,
0: spoilers. Yeah. Wow. Spoilers, spoilers. Maybe they came spoilers. out like 2010. Yeah. Yeah, so I've seen most of them. I have a decent understanding or like literacy around Marvel, um, and some Marvel fandom things. I think i before this, I had read maybe three Marvel fics, one of which actually was Steve Tony. Hmm. but it was a discontinued whip and it was an Inception <laughs> to you. Of course it was. <laughs> On brand. Listen, that was when I never used to read Works in Progress. I thought that it was completed and then I got to the end and it, I realized they had marked it complete in order to abandon it. Oh, that's it, it was tagged whip amnesty, so I should have seen that, but I didn't because I don't read tags. Um... Okay. So I have yeah. some literacy, but like comic stuff, I have no idea. Um, and in terms of actual like fandom history, this is not a fandom that I am familiar with beyond like gift sets. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Meanwhile, I've seen this fic on a ton of Reckless. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for a reason. It's um, fun.
1: Yeah. I feel like it has that sort of like fandom classic feel Mm -hmm. like i can see so many things in it that are really appealing even though this wasn't a fic i had read before Mm -hmm. i feel like it hits a lot of very like familiar beats and like beats within the tropes it's using so i feel like it makes a lot of sense as to why it comes up so often in this fandom i will say for myself i mostly read steve tony around the time that this fic was posted in that sort of like 2012, Steve Tony Tower uh, era. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Avengers Tower.
0: They're all living there. And then... For those of you who uh,
2: maybe are not as that's familiar... How it yeah. Yeah, for those of you who are maybe not as familiar with Marvel fandom history, um, the fix that came out before Avengers and the fix that came out after... Like, Avengers, the first movie, was a huge milestone in sort of the Marvel fandom. Um, Especially for Steve Tony. Especially for Steve Tony. And part of it was at the end of the Avengers movie, Tony is seen building rooms for everyone in the tower. And before Uh any of roommates. (laughs) Oh. Oh,
0: that happens in the movie?
2: Yeah, in the movie he's seen Yeah. It's it's a (laughs) subtle detail, but it's there. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know
0: how fandom
1: loves to, like, be, like, this one oh, yeah. screenshot that appeared for 0.2 seconds?
2: Right. But before any other movies Can came out, know. it was sort of assumed, and it was yeah. it was a reasonable assumption that the movies were going in a direction where all of the Avengers were going to move into Avengers Tower together. And so there's sort of this 2012-era tower fic um, mm-hmm. that is, there's a lot of elements, and they're in this fic as well. Even though this isn't necessarily a traditional tower fic, mostly because it mostly takes place in Atlantis, yes. underwater. Um, but they're all still there, and they've all still got their own room, so really. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> really. Yeah, Underwater I mean, it's, it's mostly St. Tony. You <laughs> get, like, mentions of other characters. Thor as a background is really part of the staple of 20... 20- like... Yes. There are some Thor characterizations that you don't have to look at the year a fic was posted. If you can mm-hmm. read it, you're like, I can pinpoint. There, yeah... <laughs>
1: I think there were three things like within the first bit of this fic that screamed oh, like 2012,
2: 2013. He loves coffee. He's friending people aggressively on Facebook that and was playing Farmville. <laughs> I like <that>.
1: um, <laughs> I think the like Science bros, Tony mm-hmm. Bruce relationship, how it's characterized here is like very, very iconic so. of that time. And then the like mention of them having like a prank war as the result of a bad mm. Uno game. A prank that's war. yeah, classic tower fic. Oh, and also Natasha like, is super scary. We can't play yeah, card games yeah, yeah. with her. Yeah. Having all the like shenanigans all these there's like movie nights there's yeah yeah we didn't get it in mcu <laughs> <laughs> oh i was uh, found family trope baited that's yeah. the mood i mean personally like after um winter soldier came out i started of went in in the other direction but we <laughs> want to talk about that now because it makes reed sad <laughs> <laughs>
2: um yes but i guess just some context for this fic is it pulls a lot from that era and again part of reading it again now that was very fun was Sort of nostalgic, um, and and these familiar elements that, um, yeah, uh, like Brenna said, like it makes sense sort of like when it was written, um, but it's also just very tropey in general. Like I said, there's fake pretend relationship. Um, basically, Namor gets very intense with his courting of Steve and. Says I'm going to marry you, and Steve's like I don't want this. And Tony's solution to that is to say, "Hey, everyone, Steve and I are getting married." Mm -hmm. Um, So they do Uh, that whole thing for a while. Tony start always with the practical (laughs) solution. Always. (laughs) That's (laughs) his main characterization, as we all know. Never made an (laughs) impulsive decision in his life. Um, There's bed sharing. There's a Uh, a lot of classic miscommunication uh, in a number of ways. Um, So it's very trope heavy, and that also is something I very much enjoy. There's an octopus, <laughs> and that's everyone's favorite trope. <laughs> octopus. Um, I am going to preface that the octopus is, he's just there. He like, it's like, he stalks Tony. It's not That's weird. it. He, that's it's literally it.
1: just a sea creature because they're underwater.
0: <laughs> yes. It's
1: fine, And related that. It's
0: fine.
2: <laughs> so one of the things that I also really like about this fic is it's, choice of characterizations for steve and tony Um, it's steve's pov and um, i think i'm actually going to go the other way and kind of talk about what that lends to the characterization of tony Um, i had said earlier before we started recording that i thought this fic um presents a kind of more muted and quieter tony than you've seen a lot of fics and i said said.
0: (laughs) (laughs) wow it
2: was surprising to me. This guy does not seem chill.
0: Not nice nonsense. Yeah, you're not wrong. And so but it's much worse than the rest what? of it. I wouldn't
2: say worse. Don't insult my boy in front of I'm sorry, I'm a hardcore Stoney. Yeah. Um, it's more intense, louder. He's. It. I mean, so part of it is tone that this is very lighthearted and, and fix that aren't like... Oh, Well, they can make him more biting. They can make him yeah. more mean. They lean they can, sometimes more yeah. into like... His issues. Right, this one right. obviously does not touch on any of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he can go more also,
1: intense in a lot of different directions. Yeah, but it usually is more intense, and I think also that comes about as you read. Like I think earlier fix from like this era often has him intense in a sort of like tropey way, right? And a very like very into his science, very into like you know that sort of side of things yeah Where a sort of later fix as we start to see like how tony's issues actually develop within the mcu can lead m- lean more into like the emotional like angsty sad sad, sad messed up side of tony <laughs> like yeah. ptsd
0: type stuff guilt i mean
1: i'm just I mean, guessing all, yes
0: all of i
2: mean all could, of
1: the above okay and other things like yikes
2: I mean, I think it depends his, like, on, like, his fraught relationship with the team, how going into space, like, really, like, oh. messed up a lot of things, like, why it mm-hmm. led him to make a bunch of the decisions that he did, his, um, mm-hmm. yeah, his numerous mistakes and his guilt over yeah, those mistakes. Yeah, I like he
1: can't, like, take care of the people he's, like, charged with taking care of.
2: Yeah. Oh. I read a lot
1: of, like, <laughs> post-Spider-Man Homecoming thing where yep. he adopts yeah. Peter, so that's a big mood there. Oh, but no. that's, you get none of that in this film. Infinity,
0: thing. Yeah. Oh no.
1: Welcome, Nicole. Welcome. To, oh no. Welcome. This is so sad. <laughs> this is loving Tony Stark, yeah. hours
2: 101. Um, okay, we could teach that class. I, yeah. <laughs> um, if you want it, we'll all be making a us. Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just like hit us up on Twitter at Ficklick. Let us know if you want yeah. me read crying aggressively for Tony Stark at any hour of the day. Yeah. Um. So when I say like he's more quiet and muted, I think some of it is you don't get all of that. You don't get mm. sort of the emotional angst. I also think you're getting it from a lens of a Steve who already has really strong feelings for Tony, and so that definitely paints him in a softer light. Like a lot of Steve Tony fix, understandably, they don't they don't necessarily start out liking each other. Sometimes they're just acquaintances who get along fine, but aren't particularly close. Like, and you see the sharper Sometimes bits of like, Tony. Fuck this guy! Yeah, mm. but with this, you get a very even though yeah, Tony is like he still like is kind of showy and he you know has a big mouth and all of that stuff, but it's. It's much quieter, um, Mm -hmm. which is kind of interesting.
1: Yeah, I think, like, the Tony characterization, I think, made a lot of sense for me. Mm -hmm. So did the Steve one, but I also found it, like, kind of surprising. I think I'd Mm. sort of forgotten what the Steve and Tony of this era were like in Vic often. I don't read a whole lot of that pairing anymore, and, like, what I have read has tended either more gen recently or... And just sort of more, like, introspective. Um, And a lot of that sort of features Steve as having, like, sort of emotional relationships prior to having, like, romantic or sexual feelings for someone, whoever, like, his interest is in said fic. Mm -hmm. Um, And for this one, like, the first time that you sort of get Steve telling you about his feelings for Tony, there is a sexual aspect to that and I was sort of like oh (laughs) right like (laughs) it had been so long since I read one where Steve wasn't just like horribly sad (laughs) (laughs) and like it also makes sort of an off-handed comment about like him finding the other Avengers like attractive Mm -hmm. at least in sort of like a cursory way and I was like oh wow it's also been a really long time since I thought of Steve as sort of like having that... Yeah. Like, I think a lot of the fics I've read more recently, he's either only interested in, like, one person, or he comes off as, like, leaning towards, like, the ace spectrum. Mm-hmm. Um, And this fic was so not that. And yeah. I was like, right, Steve wasn't always written that way. <laughs> right. Like, I think this really speaks to sort of, like, the different eras that a character can go through within fandom, or, like, a ship can go through. Because um, that was one of the things that really, like, took me back to 2013, and I was like, oh, yeah, like, we all... I feel like a lot of fix used to be like talk about how hot they all are. Yeah, you're and not now wrong. all the fix just talk about how, how sad, sad they, they are. are. Oh,
2: no, <laughs> yeah. Uh, something I also liked about this characterization is that I feel like I saw in a lot of like 2012 era fix like Steve, a huge sticking point was like his lack of familiarity with the 21st century, which does make sense. But sometimes I got a, l- a little tired of how. He's boy. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> Ice boy.
2: <laughs> ice boy? There's an
1: ace boy? Yeah, I thought so too. No. <laughs> he was in the ice. He's yeah. in the ice.
2: it makes sense, but I also sometimes, I got a little tired of like, how incompetent they made Steve sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I liked that this fic, right from the beginning, like he shows a competence like around technology, but also a little bit separately, but sort of in not making Steve super naive. It made him a little catty sometimes in a way that I really enjoyed. Um, Steve is like, he's always like, Polite and and he is in this fic too, but like especially because you're getting his POV, you get some of his more like petty thoughts that I was really enjoying. Um, it gave a fun nuance to him.
1: I think we also get that because one of the main characters in this is a guy he can't stand. Oh, yeah, <laughs> Namor,
2: Namor, I guess, um, when Whoa. I say that he, it's unwanted advances, it's not just because Steve is into Tony. It's because Namor is written as the most, like, the egotistical worst. asshole. He's so full of himself. He's so rude to people. Even to Steve, who he's courting, he's still rude. It's just less rude.
1: He's like a total fuckboy who thinks he's, yeah. like the most intelligent person in the room. He walks around like, only perfect.
2: wearing a cape and, and like a speedo for a lot of the fic. For almost all the fic. <laughs> That's that one
0: like? of my favorite things though. <laughs> Every time it reminded you like midway through a sentence that he's only wearing a speedo.
2: There was, I, I kind of scrolled through some of the comments. There are a lot of them. Um, But I wanted to see sort of what the comments looked like when the fic first came out versus now. I found this one comment from 2017 that said, it's so nice to read a grounded Steve who might be in love with Tony, but it's not a one note melody about it. He has other stuff in his mind as well. Superheroics, charity, his friends, his attraction towards Tony has such pathos since it has the relatable insecurity of asking someone else to love him in return. And it's such a joy to have that undercurrent in the way he perceives and treats Tony.
1: Aww. Oh, I really like that That's comment. So nice. Yeah. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense too. Like, that wasn't something I had thought about. Yeah. But it is true that in this fic, even though a lot of what's happening is either... Steve's, like, non-relationship with Namor or his, like, attempted fake whatever relationship with Tony. There's also all these things about, like, this charity group Mm -hmm. he's starting and, like, these Mm -hmm. efforts he's making to, like, be a good person and, yeah, that's very present in this fic.
2: And I also liked that, I mean, a lot of the fic, you know, is some of that pining, like, oh, things are so nice and wouldn't it be nice if I could date Tony like this? But there's also, like, they argue and they fight and there's The fact that the relationship feels so real in all of the ways is part of the reason Mm -hmm. that, like, Steve is suffering.
1: Throughout this fic, there are moments
2: where
0: I think you're not really sure how you're supposed to feel about them. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, and I wanted to talk a little bit, too, about Steve's positioning in this fic as mm -hmm. a character. Um, I have a lot of thoughts about him and the themes of this fic and, like, gender. Uh, So bear with me. (laughs) But yeah, I thought it was really interesting that for so much of this fic people are making choices for him. So there's Demore, who's like, Oh my god, like Steve. We're gonna my, get married. Be my bride. Exactly. He does yeah, call him, really... He calls Steve his bride. And then later like, yeah. he's like, it's a non gendered term. Yeah. It's like, well, Namor, we've been reading it as a gendered term yeah. this whole time. Like, sure, <laughs> you don't get to just decide something doesn't have a gender. I mean, gender's fake, but
1: But not like also like if that. you were gonna
0: use it that way, tell us <laughs> at the beginning. Yeah. No more. Define your terms no more. Define your terms
2: no more.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, there's that. And then Steve gets like rescued by Tony who just stands up and makes this whole big plan of like, we're fake dating. We're doing this thing. It's beautiful. It's amazing. And then you have Tony who's like donating stuff on his behalf. And then you have the scene sort of toward the end where like no more kisses him and Steve is like kind of blown away. He's like, oh my God, this guy can kiss. And then he kisses Tony. He's like, no, this is so much better. And I was like, how is is this how he's choosing? (laughs) Yes. I don't know it was that's, just
1: really that's how um that's how it works apparently because that's sort of what Sue and um, yeah. Em,
2: yeah Emma Emma yeah, yeah like, sorry so I
1: can't remember who they were but <laughs> Fantastic Four I think yeah they're
2: yeah Ooh, well I'm good so there's a scene sort of towards the end of the fic where Namor is th- throwing them a bachelor party and he invites some of their colleagues which includes some people from the X-Men and Fantastic Four and so you mentioned uh, the scene with Sue Storm and Emma Frost and it's Um, Basically, Steve ends up sort of like in a corner with them and they're like, oh, now you're also part of the club of people that Namor has aggressively courted. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's a whole, I think, Nick, you wanted to get into it a little bit.
0: Yeah. So it was really interesting because as I was reading, like the the aggressive courtship. The borderline stalking behaviors, like they're very prevalent in this fic, but there was no point in which I was worried for Steve's safety, you know, he's like strong superhero, he's like kind of amused at times about all of this, but mostly just annoyed. He's not, like, scared or worried, necessarily. And I was thinking... It's like Namor sends
2: him a giant, like, velvet, I think, painting of the two of them. yeah. And I'm
1: pretty sure it's implied that they are nude in that painting. Yeah. Yeah. Because I Googled what painting it is, (laughs) and the people in the painting are nude. Oh, oh boy. (laughs) It, like, like refers to an actual Uh, painting as, like, looking like said painting. And boy, howdy, folks.
0: Amazing.
2: (laughs) But, yeah, so like you were saying, it's not... Steve is not at all at any point like afraid for his safety. He's mm-hmm. just kind of annoyed. Like, why do you keep sending me
0: these whack things? <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah, but I was thinking about how when we're looking at themes like this, the reason that I personally was able to like read it and enjoy it and mostly find it funny and like process through it without like any issues was because Steve is like a man. Steve is a white man. Steve was a very strong white man. and I think that there is this separation where i'm able to step back and go he's not in danger so we can explore these themes without me having this like niggling worry in the back of my mind and other stories handle things differently and there's like i've definitely read stuff that does have an edge of danger to it um of characters with any gender but i think in this particular instance i was just thinking about how there is sort of this safety net that allows us to actually really look at some themes that we might process differently otherwise. I do
1: think that's something that we'll probably come back to a lot in this podcast of like, why do we as people in fandom choose to write and read about the characters that we do? And I think for me, and like something I've seen a lot is that there is this purposeful distance often. And I think sometimes it's a matter of choosing characters or choosing a story that's separate enough from your life that you can work through mm. themes that you wanted to explore, but aren't. They don't have to be you. Then they can be mm-hmm. someone else, and they can be safe and distant, and not like infringe upon
2: your actual reality. I also think for myself personally, like part of the reason why at no point did the like, I, like I guess like quote unquote sexual harassment at no point did it bother me because the fic is written in such, like, a light-hearted comedic tone that, like, I was never meant to take it seriously, mm-hmm. and that's not to say that, like, that always works or that's the best way to tackle it, but, like, while reading, like you said, like, I was never, I was never afraid for Steve. It was never, mm-hmm. like, a worry. It was just, like, wow, Namor's a dick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and,
1: uh, I will say, like, I think Reed and I had slightly different reactions to this because I was never, like, worried for Steve. I think I was in the same boat, but namor did not make me laugh with what he was doing like other things made me laugh steve made me laugh tony made me laugh the cameos made me laugh everything namor did just frustrated me <laughs> um i think i was very much his steve on that one i was like shut up i hate you <laughs> leave me alone um so i don't know i think that like it definitely rides this comedic line but it's interesting that it doesn't like you can still very much have your own take on like how Namor comes across
2: in it. Oh, I mean, I didn't like um, him, but some of Steve's reactions to the things he were doing yeah. were so funny to me. Yeah.
0: And just how outlandish some of the things that he would verbally say Mm-mm. were with paired with a reminder that he's in a Speedo. That, like, <laughs> yeah. really got me sometimes. The visual comedy is really good. <laughs> yeah.
1: I think one of my favorite lines in the whole fic actually was from that conversation when Steve's talking to Sue and Emma at his, like, quote-unquote bachelor party. Mm-hmm. Um. And, uh, oh, Steve's, like, wondering sort of why... Um, Namor, like, knows these, like, internet terminologies, (laughs) and, like, um, he's like, is he on Facebook? And Namor's like, I would never be on Facebook. Yeah. And then Sue's like, oh, that. He hangs out on Jezebel.com a lot. He actually leaves really insightful comments. And I found that (laughs) so (laughs) hysterical, (laughs) especially because they've just been, like, ragging on him for being this total, like, Mm fuckboy. And they're like, oh, but his Jezebel comments? (laughs) So good.
2: Great. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I wonder when fic writers take advantage of their own internet literacy. Yeah. And their readers' internet literacy.
2: So that was Love Among the Hydrothermal Vents. Brenna, do you want to talk about your pick for this episode?
1: All right. My pick for this episode is The Crown of the Summer Court by Astolat. This is a Merlin fic. In fact, a Merlin Arthur fic. Bet no one saw that coming. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Quick content warnings for this fic. I think the main one is just that there's some hand-wavy, dubious consent in the middle. I don't think that's a scene that we're really going to get into, and both characters do enjoy themselves and like want what's going on, but there isn't any prior discussion of what's going to happen, mm-hmm. and it gets a little weird <laughs> yeah. because of magic. So um, that's just something to know if you want to go read this. That's not really tagged, but I don't think it's going to be a big part of our discussion today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This fic was posted in 2009, um, so it's a little bit over 10 years old now. Mm-hmm. Wow. So that's like one really interesting thing I think we can kind of get into with this actually. Mm-hmm. But um, first I want to tell you a little bit about this fic and maybe a little bit about Merlin, both for my dear friends, Nicole and Reed. I love did Merlin. Not- yes. Merlin Stan. Yes. Mm, <laughs> I, I am familiar with Merlin. We love it. And like any of you who either weren't in fandom at that time mm-hmm. or like maybe saw it, floating around and you were like who are these white boys (laughs) there were a lot of them so you know I don't blame you anyway (laughs) the premise for this fic is that the elven court which exists only in this fic um come to Camelot ostensibly to use it as a neutral ground on which to choose a new king it turns out sort of a course, that Merlin is one of the people they want to compete in their tournament, um, as he is the son of the late king. This is not something he knew until they (laughs) arrive and are like, you. He's like, oh god. You're an elf. You're
2: Um,
1: an elf, Merlin. (laughs) The rules are really not explained. Merlin and Arthur are pretty much at a disadvantage at every turn, and yet, of course, they still manage to come out on top. Spoilers! Destiny! (laughs) That's the Merlin brand. Um... Astellat does tag this as Mary Gentry Fusion. I ignored that tag for the first three times I read this because I didn't know (laughs) what it meant. And then before we did this podcast, I was like, I should probably figure out what that actually means. (laughs) Um, As far as I can tell, It means that she drew from an ongoing series of books, um, that are set among, like, a fey, elven, unseelie court. Um, I think it's mostly just sort of used to structure the fey court and maybe a little bit of, like, the tone of the fic. Um, I get that from, like, I went and found the original live journal post for this and it sort of mentions that a little bit. Um. But you really like don't need to know anything about it to read this. I've read it four times now, and I know nothing. I don't think any of the elven characters in this are from that series, except maybe the deceased king. Huh? I only Googled like three names, though, so <laughs> I could be wrong. <laughs> um, anyway, knowledge of it is not necessary to read this fic, is basically my point, but it does exist out there. Um, so a little bit of like setting the stage for this. Uh, just for like the discussion and sort of to give some context for, yeah, like I said, anyone who isn't super familiar with Merlin, and honestly, I haven't watched any of the show since it ended, so even I might get some things wrong. This is a little rusty. <laughs> this is based on fanon and. My memories. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> it ran... And I, like, I would not be in a place to judge at all if yeah. you are accurate But if or you're not, listening and you're like, wow, I've rewatched Merlin 20 times, <laughs> Brenna, these facts are wrong. I mean, <laughs> yeah. you can at me, but like I'm saying... I'm well aware that I might be wrong.
0: (laughs) You're going to have to be the one to call her out, too, because between Reid and I, we have seen zero episodes of the show Merlin.
1: Um, So Merlin was a show that ran on BBC from about 2008 to 2012. Um, It's about Merlin and Arthur, as you might know them from, like, Arthurian legend. Um, But when they're young. So for most of it, Arthur is the crown prince. Um, He becomes king towards the very end, but this is not set at that time. He's still the prince. And his father, Uther, confusing name, um, is still alive and ruling Camelot. Um, Merlin is his servant. Wow. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that's pretty much his role throughout the TV show. I mean, he's also, you know, a friend and advisor, all these other things, but like ostensibly he's a servant. Um, Yeah, so the one kind of story well, there's many strange things about the show, (laughs) including some of the CGI choices. (laughs) But one of the things about it that's sort of notable is it relies heavily on, like, what you know of Merlin and Arthur in sort of pop culture and, like, from lore. But it doesn't actually ever show us, like, Arthur the High King and, like, Merlin his sorcerer companion. Like, that's never really how they're presented in here and we, like, never get there because... Arthur dies in the last episode of the TV show. So... Sad. (laughs) One other thing to mention before we get into the discussion of this fic in particular is that in the show, there's an ongoing theme of destiny. um, To the point of it almost sort of being a joke. (laughs) That, like, Merlin and Arthur have these intertwined destinies. Like, Arthur is destined to become the once and future king. Like, Merlin is destined to grow into this great sorcerer. Like, they're destined to be together. And, like, do great things together um and that's very present in this fic in many ways so if you haven't watched the show and you haven't heard the like you're two sides of the same coin quote about 6,000 times (laughs) um just know that that's one of the sort of prevailing ideas within it all right, so that's a lot about Merlin from me. Yeah. Um, to sort of kick this off, I was actually curious about like what your first thoughts were, Nicole and Reed, as people who don't have any prior experience with this ship or this fandom, before we get into all the things like I personally screamed about. <laughs>
2: Well, it's all of this context that you have just given to our dear mm-hmm. listeners. I did not have, um, mm-hmm. and I I could have googled, like I could have gone on Wikipedia, <laughs> I,
1: but I didn't. But
2: I didn't. Like, I kind of wanted to know what my experience would be reading this mm-hmm. fic, like only having the most bare knowledge of Merlin. Um, I really, really loved it. Um, that's unsurprising because Astolat is a phenomenally talented writer. So thank you, Astolat. <laughs> thank, thank you, you Astolat. <laughs> Um, wow, that was scary um,
1: <laughs> I loved it, let's send it to her
2: <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I I really enjoyed this fic In the beginning, I definitely was tripping myself up a little bit I was trying to sort of figure out, like, what's based on canon Like, what's not based on canon Like, all of that kind of thing And then I was like, you know what, it doesn't matter I'm here to read this fic and go through this experience Brenna will tell me the re- relevant information <laughs> later um, it is interesting. I think you talking about how destiny is such a big thing and how they make such a point of it in the show definitely changes my just doesn't change my understanding. I guess that's not fair to say like the fix still makes sense uh, without knowing that, but it adds some context mm-hmm. to some scenes and the tone and the way that some things are written. Um, so that's kind of fun to know.
0: Yeah, I going into this new Merlin magic servant sad at the end, Morgana's hot. That
2: was my yeah. knowledge of Merlin that's, going in. Uh, that's I pretty mean, much honestly, it. like,
0: big,
1: big point that's not really discussed in this fic. Morgana's <laughs> hot. hot. Yeah. yeah.
2: I wrote at one point just, Morgana, evil? Question mark, question mark. Because I thought she was, uh, yeah, as yeah. we found out, she is a later. I wrote to but...
1: myself that just said, um, Morgana really says lesbian rights in this whole fucking fic. <laughs> yes.
0: Thank you, Morgana. Thank you, Morgana. Morgana. <laughs> um, but something I found really interesting was knowing one of, like, four things that I knew was that Merlin was Arthur's servant. And throughout this fic, I read one of the main themes as devotion, but it was devotion on Arthur's part to Merlin more than anything else. I mean, there's a lot of devotion to each other, but that caught me off guard a little bit, almost, with the recklessness and impulsiveness with which Arthur just, like, kept throwing himself on the line for Merlin from the very start when he was like, I'm gonna do this. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna whole... be your champion, all this stuff.
2: Yeah, because the whole... The whole... Premise is you know these elves show up and they mm-hmm. say to Merlin like you are actually one of the sons of the this deceased king, mm-hmm. um come participate in this like ritual mm-hmm. this like tournament basically to compete for the next king you have to name a champion choose and, your
0: fighter Merlin and, <laughs> choose, choose your fighter <laughs>
2: and Merlin's like I have no options. Merlin's yeah. like I don't it's can, I can I pick not can I be a pacifist and instead Arthur's like it's me, I bitch. will literally <laughs> die for you yeah yeah uh, and I think yeah. that's interesting because it sort of like is
1: canon but isn't canon Mm. like a lot of the devotion that we see in the show is merlin to arthur but at the same time the show does love to throw out these little bits where arthur's like you're the bravest man i've ever known and it's like (gasps) okay (laughs) i think that's interesting too because a lot of what we see in the show is Merlin's devotion to Arthur and that's not to say that there aren't moments where Arthur is devoted to Merlin or where he isn't trying to save Merlin's life that definitely happens especially later on in the show um but this sort of just makes that assumption right off the bat in a way that often doesn't happen um and I actually have some comments about that I think we'll get into later about like how I think destiny plays a Mm. big role in Mm. like why Arthur is characterized like this in this fic Mm. but I do think it's really interesting and actually like I read this fic a few different times like years apart. I read it first close-ish to when it came out. Sometime when the show was airing, I know that much. Um, and honestly, I wasn't a huge fan of it. It just like wasn't the characterization I was looking for at the time. And then I reread it maybe like four or so years ago, and I liked it more, but it still wasn't like a top favorite of mine. I think at that point I was looking for something that made me feel very like nostalgic about my fandom experience. And then I reread it recently while well, I was just sort of going through Astolat's works because that's what I do now <laughs> um and I was like actually I really love this um and there's still I still don't love everything about it but I think like there are parts of it that I just find really interesting and I think the more times I read it the more I was able to like get out of it and the more ways in which I saw how it like took from canon and changed things but
0: still like stayed true to certain elements yeah. that I thought was really interesting I love that element too of like almost the meta of you reading it over and over again and judging it differently. Mm. Where, like, within the fic, they're doing different things and being judged for it by, like, external. Oh, wow. I know, it's meta. It's really good. But I was really... I, I loved the... I know you want to talk about the trials and, like, the way they're organized. And I loved how much of it was, like, a spectator sport. Mm-hmm. It felt very gladiator. It, yeah. felt very, it felt like it fit in very well with the whole, like, Camelot thing. Of, yeah. Of, like go in with your sword and everyone will watch as, like, one of you mm-hmm. is, like, the noble one. There's, like, a right choice and it's to win and to be, like, yes. to have honor. I like. And that. Arthur in the show has a lot
1: of feelings about, like, what it means to be king, what it means to, like, be an honorable king. Also, uh. there are lots of tournaments, but they're usually with just with knights and not with magic. So I think mm-hmm. fic in general likes to play with the idea of there being magical tournaments. That's a trope I've seen a lot in Merlin fic. Ooh. This one does it... At sort of, like, next level, <laughs> weird, fey, yeah. Only magic. Shit. Like, I think this one does it also where they really don't know what they're going into at any point in time. Right. And,
2: like, on, like they keep trying to get information yeah. and the elves just will not and tell them. The
1: elves them. are like, oh, it, like, it will pass as it will pass or whatever. There's <laughs> also, to make it clear,
2: like, they invite Merlin, they're like, hey, you are the son of this king, so you have to participate. But none of them want him there. No. They're like, oh. this human boy He's a baby. Yeah. What a I, dork. What, <laughs> what a dork. Literally. <laughs> Fucking loser. <laughs> oh God. Um, I, I think the way... I was going to say the way that magic functions in this fic is really interesting twofold. One, in how it's like written, how magic itself works. But... Um, so something I didn't realize uh, before you gave me context for Merlin was that um, in this fic, and as in canon... In Camelot, like, magic is forbidden Mm -hmm. and is something that they really fear and hate. Yeah, Um, any magic is punishable by death. Yeah, so when when this elf, like, when this elven court shows up and they say to Merlin, like, you are the son of an elven king, Merlin's like, nah, no, I'm like, Like, he tries so adamantly to deny it, and the way that that fear of magic Mm -hmm. and how it leads to, like, Merlin's fear and exploring this, like, part Mm -hmm. of himself, um, I thought was really interesting. Because there's there's a few scenes where, um, especially in the, in the beginning when Merlin's still trying to figure out if he can get, like, out of this whole tournament thing, where he's, like, saying to Arthur, I don't want to do this because if I do, like, I can't ever come back to Camelot. Oh, um, yeah. And he says that a few different times. There's a quote, um, and it's, it's further into the fic where Merlin's already been using his magic quite a bit, but um, he says, uh, The truth would have meant having to go, he said quietly. Arthur hesitated and said, There are courts where kings pay sorcerers. Merlin said, they're not Camelot. And then I just put, ah! Because I screamed a whole bunch about it. (laughs) I actually have
1: a lot of thoughts and feelings about that Mm -hmm. in this fic. um, Because basically every single Merlin fic... Deals with Arthur finding out about Merlin's magic because that doesn't happen in the show until the very last episode, which is crazy. <sighs> yes, you can see why we were all heartbroken in 2012 <laughs> on oh. Christmas. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, wow, so anyway, tough. it's fine. Um, <laughs> but I think an ongoing theme is often like Merlin sort of not having told arthur not necessarily because he feared what arthur would do to him but because he didn't want to have to put arthur in a position of like having to do that to him and i like how this fic didn't even really ever have that question of arthur punishing him in any way like it was never even a thought that Mm -hmm. crossed his mind usually it's a conversation they have um and in this one that sort of just like Null and void. And yes, Merlin might have to leave, but it was never because of Arthur. Like, that was mm-hmm. never the issue. Um, and I think that really sort of ties into this, like, air of inevitability that this whole fic really capitalizes on. And I think that's part of the destiny thing um, and the devotion thing. Yeah. But there's this, I, like, Arthur doesn't even seem to really realize the repercussions of what they've been doing until towards the very end right before the third and final trial where Morgana who's been sort of finding out info um for them Mm -hmm. is talking to Arthur where Arthur's sort of like well like we'll work it out like his whole thing this whole time even as like they've gotten deeper and deeper and Merlin's proven to be like this very powerful sorcerer and there's all these like implications also about like their relationship and the fact that they're sort of like bound together now by like Elven tradition in this fic arthur has sort of been brushing aside the consequences for most of it um even as they sort of go through these trials and merlin keeps proving himself to be this really powerful um sorcerer and there are these elven traditions that have sort of bonded them at this point like the things that they've gone through the things that they've done um and yet even before sort of this final challenge he's still like it will work out like i'm not thinking about it and morgana's like well you better because there's no good outcome here Mm. um and she says to him he's gone Elvin. even if the two of you hadn't made a spectacle of yourselves there is no way he would ever be welcome in Camelot under Uther's rule of course at least he will be welcome among the elves now that you've brought him into his power not that Uther will ever let you visit but shut up Arthur says harshly she raised an eyebrow merciless oh, so now you care? That's a pity. You've behaved all this while as though you were perfectly happy to send Merlin away and cut him off from everyone he's ever known, all to save the kingdom, the yearly cost of a dozen horses and some gold. And it's so so good! Because at that point, we know Arthur is committed at this, like, very deep level. But on the outside, he keeps telling Morgana, he keeps telling Uther, like, this is just for Camelot. This is just to, like, help Mm -hmm. us. Wouldn't it be great if we had an ally on, like, the elven
0: throne? But in reality they've, like, bonded their souls to each other, so... Yeah. Woo! And this idea of being a prince, giving you so much power, but also so many shackles. Mm. Like, would it be the same if he weren't the crown prince of Camelot? Mm-hmm.
1: And there are these really interesting power dynamics, because Arthur, on one hand, is very powerful, like, he is the crown prince of Camelot, he is, like, this very strong smart knight um and yet he's still sort of secondary both to Uther as the actual king of Camelot and in this fic to Merlin as sort of the maybe heir to the elven throne and the super powerful sorcerer um and I I think that's very interesting because we see a lot of times like Arthur's devotion to Camelot and like to the throne and to the idea of being a good king but in this one he also still has to struggle against like needing Uther to believe in him. At one point he says, I cannot serve Camelot if the king doubts me. And that like totally got me because he's being put in this position where like he's not going to stop helping Merlin, but he himself is like losing his grip on like what it means to like be Arthur. And it's so cool. Yeah, one of the things I love about how the magic is set up in this fic is that there is this sort of like, they don't know the magic until they know the magic. And mm. once they know mm-hmm. it, they've always known it. Uh, like, I yes. don't know if that, like, makes a lot of sense. Yeah, there's it's like, a it's bit like, later that... Yes! Oh. <laughs> uh-huh.
2: <laughs> there's this,
1: like, magic doesn't exist, like, in the same tempor- yeah. temporality as everything uh. else. Like, they go into these things blind to what is going to happen. And as soon as these things happen, because they were always destined to happen, because they've always happened they like know them and it's really fascinating and i think excalibur is like the perfect example for it Mm -hmm. um and then also happens again in like a much more explicit way towards the very end in the third challenge Mm -hmm. where merlin pulls out the holy grail because that's chill and they just like unintentionally drink from like the holy grail because arthur's like oh it's just like a cup which is so fitting to <laughs> canon because these idiots are always just like stumbling oh, onto no. the most powerful shit <laughs> and
2: they drink from the grill because arthur's like you're still my servant like go fetch me some water from a nearby river like he's just yeah. kind of like being like funny about yeah, it yeah exactly
1: they're just like sort of goofing around and then it turns out that like arthur can't die because he's immortal because he drank out of like the holy grill oh, well. <laughs> yeah <Oops>. oh, well. <laughs> um I also think, and this is something I've mostly realized on this read through of this fic, is how well these three trials were like suited to what we know of Merlin's magic. Um, Like first. We see him using it for combat, and that's how we most often see it in the mm. show. Even if it's not him explicitly engaging in combat, it's often him aiding Arthur or the other knights in some way, and that's exactly what he's doing here. He's making it for Arthur. It's um, so, like that's sort of the most simple and like obvious display of it. Um, I think like the second one is that we like know that he has this power for change. We see in the second trial they all have to grow these trees and Merlin sort of instinctively grows his through time, where everyone else just sort of pushes it up. Mm. Merlin makes the seasons change over and over and over really fast.
2: There's, I know that I keep reading quotes, I'm so sorry, Asked a lot. your writing is too good to not quote at every moment. There's just a bit, um, so you're, you're watching this tree grow, and it's not just the tree, and there was just these lines that say, um, Insects buzzed briefly amid the leaves and a pair of small birds darting out of the forest dipped and landed on the branches. In a blink, there was a nest and eggs and then small, cheeping mouths. Then five birds flew out and back into the trees. And it's like, oh, because it's not just that he's making the seasons change. It's like, it is literally time that he is controlling. And, And this image of it, this making it very clear what he's doing, but through the imagery of a bird flies in and five fly out and you watch this like, you watched the cycle of life happen, was just brilliant. I really, really loved that, mm-hmm.
0: and wonderful that the choice there was a metaphor around life when it's the holy grail that they find during yes. that trial. Yes, mm-hmm. and I think like
1: that, like Merlin growing that tree, not only does it in the fix cement him as like having this special sort of power over time, but I think it shows us something. Um, from the show, which is that we sort of know Merlin is supposed to bring change as sort of one of the prophecies, basically. Destiny. It's it's his (laughs) destiny. It's his destiny to change Camelot. It's his destiny to sort of change Arthur. Like, we know that he has big magic. Mm -hmm. um, And I like how this sort of taps into that by giving him this power to create change in such, like, a physical way. Mm -hmm. Um, And then sort of uh, the third challenge is sort of just about what magic will give merlin um and i feel like that's sort of like the destiny side of everything like that's the third component of like how we see merlin's magic in the show is this like once in a future shit (laughs) like it really is um and the show has sort of always been an au of arthurian legend like it's not straight-up Arthurian legend. BBC was like, ooh, Like, let's do something new and fresh. Oh. Um, and yet, we sort of are always, like, aware that it's just one version of the many versions of Arthur and Merlin. Um, and we also have this knowledge that there are certain things that will always come to pass. And I think that's sort of what we were talking about a little bit earlier. Like, Arthur will always get Excalibur. Arthur will always make the round table. Like, mm-hmm. Merlin will always have magic. Like, there are these things, there are these beats that are, like, written into their lives. Um... Arthur will be king. Arthur will be king. Exactly. Um... And everything with them in that grove in the last challenge is so representative of that. That it's outside of regular time and space and it's just, like, the truth of their existence. mm
2: mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, so it's, it's... Um... For this third challenge, they walk into this, like, grove, they walk through all these trees and the first thing you note or that they note about each other is that they're older, that they know that time has passed. Um... And Arthur says to Merlin, we've been here before, haven't we? No, I don't think so, Merlin said, but we will be here again, and we can only be here once in all the worlds and times there are. Then Arthur said, isn't everything decided? But he knew, even as he asked it, that it wasn't. And I read that, and I, like, read it, and then I read it again, just because it's such an... It's such, like, a, a an interesting perspective on, like, time and magic that, like... Mm-hmm. It's static in the sense that they're saying, like, these things will always be, but also so much of it is not mm-hmm. static, and and is so unpredictable, and is new to them. Um, or at least it's new to them in this moment, but it wasn't new to them, and it's just, oh, it's so good! And I think that's one of the things that's so
1: genius about this fic, is it's, like, a slight AU of the canon of the show but the show is a slight au of like the canon of arthurian legend and arthurian legend is like a slight au of what (laughs) what probably actually happened (laughs) in history and so like we're all aware like these multiple layers like we all know this sort of while reading it Mm -hmm. um and the more fix you read the more layered that becomes because we've seen so many different versions of how this could play out because it's fans we've like run through it all And I think this fic does such a good job in sort of writing that into it and playing with that idea of um, sort of the overlap of different
0: stories and how like time and magic can work together in that. Yeah, and I love how much this last scene both does and doesn't feel like a dreamscape. Mm -hmm. Because there is this sense of barriers being torn down or lifted and then being able to see each other for who they are and who they're going to be and who they've always been. In dreams, we just sort of know things that we don't know how we know them. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's really cool because I have always really loved a fic with a good dreamscape. And I think it's really interesting to see that subverted in a sense where they are definitively not dreaming. And that makes all of this really impactful and kind of scary. But they're drinking from the grail like it's nothing. All right. So that was um, The Crown of the Summer Court, a Merlin fic
1: about destiny, big magic, and sort of time and space in A weird way. Just that? Um yeah, just that. (laughs) That's all. (laughs) That's all, just a little bit, you know?
0: (laughs) Nothing major. Yeah. Um, Nick, take it away. Oh yeah. Hey everyone. (laughs) My pick is Every Man I Fall For by Might Be an Asshole. Uh this is a rooster teeth slash achievement hunter RPF fake. Uh that means something to some people and it means nothing to (laughs) other people, so I'm gonna explain a little bit. So, Achievement Hunter is sort of a subset of Rooster Teeth, which is an entertainment company. Achievement Hunter does YouTube videos, also like on their own website, uh, mostly around gaming. They do a lot of like Let's Plays and various games. They're well known for like their Minecraft series or the GTA V series. What does that have to do with this fic? Nicole, I bet you're asking. Um, Not a lot, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) This is very much an AU. Um, The pairing is Michael Jeff. They are two folks who serve primarily in talent roles, so they're present in the videos. They're the ones who are playing the games or, like, yelling. uh, Mostly yelling. They're very loud. So that's who they are. Um, And really, all you need to know about the fandom is just that these people exist and like each other.
2: Yeah. It's it's a very interesting fandom because it's, I think, the only one I've been in where... The AUs are far more prevalent than anything that is quote-unquote uh, canon-based. Yeah. Um, but this one is, like, not a fandom-typical AU. Yeah, it's it's very, um, She's weird. Yeah, but, but she's great! Yeah,
0: okay, so before I jump into the premise and stuff, I wanted to add some content warnings. Um, one of them is implied off-screen domestic violence, And another one that's not tagged that I wanted to mention was Substance Abuse. Um, There's also some discussion of death. None of it's on screen, though. Um, So let's talk about the premise. Wow, that sounds uplifting. Yeah, (laughs) it's really good. No, like, this fic is so fucking good, you guys. It's so good. Um, Yeah, it totally blew me away, honestly. And I'm the one here who knows the least
1: about this fandom. Um, (laughs) Yep. And I should know more than I do, to be quite honest, because this is not the first fic I've read with these characters. I, like, baited something with, for Nicole with these characters. I've, like, watched stuff with these characters, and yet I spent this whole time reading this fic thinking one person was a different person. (laughs) For any of
2: you RTAH fans out there, uh, Uh so this is, as stated, a Michael Jeff fic, Uh and Brenna spent the whole time picturing Jeff as Gavin. (laughs) They're, like, the same. I don't know.
1: I think I was just very used to, like, Michael and Gavin and other stuff that you've shown me. Terrible whole thing. And I sort of forgot who Jeff was? Sure. <laughs> that's okay. And so like one of the things that you had mentioned is that there's also like an age difference in this fic that's yeah. true to real life. And I Rewind. was like reading it and I was like is Gavin that much older than Mike? I was like wow he looks really good for his age. <laughs> and then um I had Nug. the harsh realization that I was completely wrong. Gavin yeah. is in fact younger than so. Michael. Correct.
0: Oh, that's me. Too. Yeah. <laughs> but now that we have all the characters straight uh let's talk. You don't even need to know them to read this fic, or yeah, so is it, the best it, part. it didn't
1: really ruin the experience for me or anything. No, yeah. it I enhanced just, it. Yeah, in my brain I had to swip-swap. Swip swip-swap.
0: <laughs> swip yeah, so the premise of this fic is that well, it spans over a lot of years and is non-chronological, so bear with me, but Michael is working toward becoming a paramedic and Jeff is working the night shift as a welder essentially, so The two of them are trying to maintain their relationship through a lot of ups and downs. Uh, Jeff transitioning to the night shift is a really big one, and it's kind of a central focal point of this fic. It also discusses Michael before he was trying to become a paramedic and was just like supporting in paramedic stuff. I forget what his actual position was. But it really, really deals with Michael and Jeff trying to make it work and most of the time when you're thinking of a story like this you're thinking of like two of them holding hands fighting against the odds like really working together pushing so hard but this fic is really muted in so many ways it's really devastating in its simplicity it pulls from all different like time periods within and outside of their relationship there's a whole section and another point of view like it's really really literary in a way that you don't always see from fan fiction, where it really digs into the minutia of someone's life, the things that are making them miserable, the way they react, and how it's not always convenient or nice or happy. Um, but it's also still like not an absolutely devastating or like miserable fic. I think it's really, really wonderful, and I would love to hear your guys's reaction to it because I read this fic like eight times before I brought it forward as a pick. I love this one.
2: Well, I think it's um, kind of incredible that it does all of that in. Under four point five k. Yes, it is four thousand four hundred twenty nine words. That is very short, and it does so much work in that space. It is phenomenal. Mm-hmm.
1: I read this on a plane in the dark, which I think like really enhanced <laughs> my experience. Honestly, yeah. Um, because it, especially for me, not really knowing these people very well. I sort of just read it as like a short story, and like I read it once, and I was like, "Holy shit!" <laughs> and then I read it like two more times in quick succession <laughs> while like taking frantic notes. <laughs> but I really loved it. I definitely agree with what you were saying about it being it feeling quite literary, and I have a lot of comments that I think are trend more towards literary analysis than mm-hmm. like my usual sort of comments about fic. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I thought it was like. You you had said to us, this does a lot of work in, like, under 5K. And I was
0: like, okay, (laughs) this does a lot of work in under 5K. Uh And it really blew me away. So, some stuff that I have. um, I think one of the biggest points that allows this fic to do so much work is the choices that it makes with details and how they relate to tone. So, one that really stood out to me is there's two points at which... Michael like throws a lamp. The first time Jeff is there, um, Michael in this fic is um, implied, very heavily implied, to be a survivor of domestic violence. So, at one point he's fighting with Jeff. Michael throws a lamp against the wall and has like a pretty realistic trauma response. I think um, he's like really worried about it. Um, he kind of just shuts down, and Jeff is there to like help him pick up the pieces. And you're like, okay, this is great. This is like a supportive relationship. They're doing great. And then later on in the fic, there's another scene where Michael is by himself and like is going through something really frustrating, and he throws a lamp again. So during the second scene, um, he's feeling really frustrated, and the fic reads: when he breaks the second lamp, Jeff isn't home to stop him picking up the pieces and quietly taking them in a trash can out to the corner. And it's such a simple line, but I think it does so much because you're sitting there reading it and the main conflict, the main tension here is that they're on completely opposite schedules and Michael also swallows all of his emotions <laughs> like throughout the entire fic. So it's such a vivid and sort of stark rendering of what that looks like physically when he emotes and then tucks it away immediately
1: my first comment that I wrote down is literally about one word choice. (laughs) And I think that really like sets the tone for how I read this whole fic. Because at the very beginning, um, Michael wakes up having heard Jeff like drop something in the kitchen. And he goes out and he describes the thing that was broken as colorless glass. Mm -hmm. And I sat there thinking about the choice to use the word (laughs) colorless (laughs) instead of clear. (laughs) Because Uh I was like, wow, I would have used the word clear. And then I was like, I actually love that they use the word colorless yeah. because to me that's one of the little details that like sets how we view their wor- world. Like colorless lets us know what Michael thinks of his world, mm-hmm. that it's colorless. That's really how he exists in it. Where clear would have like implied a clarity that doesn't exist. Yeah. And like I went through this whole <laughs> thing basically reading it in this way. I love that. Where like one word holds so much meaning, but I think that's what this author did with it. And mm-hmm you're right that's not something we see that much in fic which mm-hmm. isn't to say that other authors aren't making like incredibly good literary clever choices with their writing but this one felt like edited to a level that not all yes. fic is it was like precise and i was like how many times did they go over this this was not like a one
0: draft and post mm-hmm. as far as we know as far as we know yeah. you might be an asshole you, you may be a prodigy <laughs> yeah <laughs> along with maybe being an asshole <laughs> Yeah, I really felt that with the the deliberate choices, though, in the editing, because I feel like that's not only reflected in the word choice, but also in the structure. And I think it's yes. meant to be perceived. So I wrote down that because this fic is achronological, we see things in the exact order that we're meant to see them. Things hit harder after context that we have. And on a reread, there are things that also like hurt more. Um, and I think that a lot of it, for me, is interesting because the choice of a chronology in and of itself is like such a tool of reflection and retrospection. You can't... This fic is in present tense, actually. And so I think that contrasts really interestingly against the fact that it's out of order. Mm-hmm. So like in each scene, you're in there with them, but you know that this story is being told the exact way it is supposed to be told. And that I think also reflects a lot about like Michael's state of mind mm-hmm. and how he's running over and over and over things in his head. What could he do different? What could be better?
2: And I think in in terms of um, sort of choices of scene and what is presented to us, we start very much... We start on a flashback of sorts, Mm -hmm. but um, a memory that Michael has that kind of haunts him, that sticks with him. Um, And then it just starts like sort of just in the middle of like a very average moment in his relationship with Jeff. And I one of the things I absolutely loved about this fic is first of all, right from the beginning, it tells you exactly what kind of a fic it's going to be. But it also... It just sort of throws you in it's like here here's where we're starting you and you're just along for the ride Mm -hmm. and when it ends it's not really an ending Mm -hmm. first of all that last scene we all
1: let's talk about the last scene
2: yeah it's absolutely phenomenal but before we like get into actually what makes (laughs) it so good it's just one of the things that i really liked about it was that in no way shape or form did it feel like any sort of ending like the The fic doesn't give you, not in a way that's unsatisfactory, but, like, it doesn't wrap up anything for you. It's Mm -hmm. just sort of, like, it drops you into the middle of this relationship. It shows you bits and pieces of, like, Michael's life scattered across time. And then you leave. Yeah. And that's it. And that is, it works so powerfully. I thought a
1: lot about, like, the fact that it ends with something that doesn't feel like an ending Mm -hmm. scene. And I think something we talked about, like, a little bit before recording with the past. last fic we talked about with the Merlin one was that we felt felt like it wrapped up a little too yeah. neatly. This one does not do that, nope. folks. Mm-hmm. It's like here's a scene, and yeah. you're like,
0: okay. It only <laughs> technically wraps up, yeah.
2: But I but, <laughs> but I like, didn't feel like like I wasn't like left like wanting yeah. more in the sense that like oh I feel like unfulfilled mm-hmm. or oh I feel like the fic could have given me more. I wanted to see this. Like I mean I yeah. could read so many more words of this because it is so well done. But I didn't like need them to feel like this work was complete and that's a really interesting thing to hold to feel like it works very well with everything that it gives you and yet it like does not wrap anything up if there's no ending like that's a very very i think hard balance to hit um and this author does it very well yeah i felt like this
1: last scene really sort of felt like what would be a middle scene in a lot of fics um michael's just sort of like walking down a street (laughs) on his way to run an errand. And that's such like a middle plot point yeah. thing to happen. yeah. And there aren't a lot of those scenes in this fic. There's one other scene where they're at a barbecue that I felt like was very middle plot point. Um, but a lot of the scenes feel like ending moments. And a lot of what should be beginning moments we often see in hindsight. Um, either sort of Ray, the other brief POV mm-hmm. character, tells us about them, um, or a character thinks back to how something started. But in the moment, we're sort of experiencing, like, this series of, like, endings for Michael, almost. Um, And so I thought it was really interesting to sort of have that structure and then to end with something that wasn't
2: like that at all. Um, Yeah. If we could get, like, a little more into that scene. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned, you know, he's walking down the street doing an errand, and um, as he's walking, he hears a couple arguing sort of near him, um, and it's a wife arguing with her husband, kind of angry uh the man like walks away he like slams his car door the woman like slams the front door to the house and um it says michael tries to be as inconspicuous as possible embarrassed for the woman on the porch feeling like he's intruding just by walking down the street um so it's not even like michael interacts with Uh them he just observes this and keeps walking and that's it and that's where it ends yeah and it's a scene that's not
0: about michael and jeff but it's also very much about michael and Mm -hmm. jeff it's so great like oh my gosh okay listen everyone this is so important (laughs) (laughs) because you're watching their relationship just sort of fall apart but they're not talking about it they're not really doing there's not really anything to be done either like he's working the night shift or he loses his job michael is working and like studying even more to become a paramedic because he was miserable before when he like didn't have the authority to save someone. There's so much complication around their relationship and it's not either of their faults necessarily. So you're looking at this other couple that Michael has no idea their context and like feeling kind of bad for them when he, there's all of this context that you have in their relationship, but you're also looking at them and like feeling kind of bad for them.
2: Mm -hmm. Oh
0: man. There's like nothing that either of them can do I mean, either us or Michael, I guess, can do about the relationship that we're looking in on. But, oh, boy. Yeah, and there's just something about the way that the conversation is just left unresolved. Mm -hmm. You don't know if they're, like,
2: fine. The couple might end up, like, getting back together and being totally fine. And the fact (sighs) that the errand that Michael is running is um, fixing Jeff's boots for him. Um, And so the very last line of the fic is, with Jeff's boots tucked under his arm, Michael continues down the street.
1: And then you expect more because that's a middle Ah! scene. (laughs) Um, There's a line right before what Reed read Mm -hmm. of the end where Michael overhears sort of the guy muttering to himself after he's walked away from his house. And he says, waste more money on the complete fucking disarray, right? And I've thought about this line like (laughs) so much because on the one hand, it like doesn't make a ton of sense. And on the other hand, like... It makes perfect and complete mm-hmm. sense. Um, and I think, really, it's just sort of the feeling we get from this whole fic. There's this, like, fruitless struggle to gain one more foothold to be better in some small way than you were before.
0: Yes. Um. um...
1: And I think it starts off with Michael having this very clear sense of wanting more purpose. Um, like what Nicole said, of wanting more agency, of feeling like he's failed because he didn't have the enough purpose or power. Um... And then this is sort of like a cycle back to that same feeling. Like, we know Michael's progressed. And yet, in some ways, he hasn't gone anywhere. Yeah. Um, Oh. And it's really haunting. It's very melancholy. And yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I love that. It's so good.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was looking. So a fun fact about this is we were talking earlier about how like Reed's fic was like kind of a fandom classic. Um, Brenna's for Merlin was written like when the show was coming out. It's it's a very popular fic. So this fic has 10 comments and 88 kudos. Um, two of those comments are or one of them is mine some of them are author replies um it's not a super popular fic uh, some of that has to do with the fandom i think this isn't like one of the most popular pairings in it or one of the more popular pairings at all really it's also a fandom that has very specific au's that it likes that are very much prescribed to be like oh they're doing a heist like in this video game au um so this like very short, melancholy fic with kind of an obscure pairing, like, to me felt very Diamond in the Rough. I thought it was fascinating that, like, there haven't been that many eyes on it. Like, I was really excited when I found it and was reading it. Um, But I also think part of that, too, can be attributed to the fact that, like, it's not happy. Like, it's not Mm -hmm. devastating, but it's not happy. At the same time, I finished reading it and, like, could not stop thinking about it. It's been, like, a few years and I think at one point, I think in my comment, I wrote like, I read this fic like a year ago and I have not stopped thinking about it since. And that's still true. I picked it for this podcast from memory. I didn't like have it on a rec list or something. Mm-hmm. I just remembered the name of it. I remembered the author, like everything just stuck so hard in my mind.
2: It's a fic that gives you a lot to sort of turn over. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of uh, echoing back to what you had said earlier about... Um, on a reread, there are things that stand out to you way more. There are things that hurt way more. Um, for all that it is a short fic, there is so much to dig into and it leaves a lasting impression for a reason.
1: Mm-hmm. And I think, like, one thing it does that we don't see a whole ton in a fandom is make them very, like, everyday, blue-collar, middle America people. Like, a lot of AUs will give the characters, like, meet cute rom-com jobs. Mm-hmm. And I love reading those. Yeah. Especially, like, when their job is, like, really weird but funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> These jobs are not really weird or funny. Nope. They're depressing and real, and they make them face, like, the harsh realities of life. Yeah. Um, and I think it's, like, it. really just... <laughs> <it's> really <laughs> okay, like, in the best way possible, it's a portrait of two people, like, trying to get by the best that they can yeah. when faced with no particularly, like, wonderful, magical, ficky y prospects. Um, and it's sort of this story of, like, just as quickly as something good can come because Michael talks a lot about, like, his best year-to-date in this. Mm-hmm. So, and we see that, and that might be, like, where a fic would usually end. Like, he gets together with Jeff. Like, things yeah. are going well. Like, things seem good yeah but that's not where real people's lives end
0: so that's not where this fic ends Mm -hmm. um and i really like that about it yeah i think something else too that i wanted to talk about with this fic is so take everything that we've said so far and like roll it around in your head and then i'm going to add this (laughs) this is technically a song fic (laughs) (laughs) it really is it doesn't have song lyrics interspersed throughout so it's not like traditional in that sense, I guess. Um, I don't know what the traditional uh, song fic is. It's been a while. The traditional song fic of old. The traditional song fic of my Rachel. <laughs> Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, like
2: yeah, g- yeah. a
0: little jig. Um. Um, but yeah, it's based on the song Every Man I Fall For by Cold War Kids. And the if you read the lyrics, if you listen to the song, this fic is very faithful. The plot of the fic is essentially outlined, um, or at least the premise is outlined in the song. Um, I admit I had not listened to the song until literally after the latest time I read it. (laughs) So it's, (laughs) it was definitely new for me. I was like, I like songs and I would keep ignoring it to read the fic again. Um, but I think it's really interesting to see not only a fic paired with a song, but a fic based off of a song, which we see sometimes, but which I would not have expected from this one in particular.
2: And, and like you were saying, not just based on the song in general, but like, based. like takes every, every line, like pretty literally mm-hmm. and makes it a scene, um, in a way that I don't think I've ever seen before.
1: These formats are sort of like invented by fandom. Yeah. Like no one's sitting in their English class being like, oh, and like William Shakespeare wrote a song fic. <laughs> 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 are you to say that William Shakespeare didn't write a song fic? <laughs> I'm not. I'm just saying none of my English teachers ever taught yeah. me that. <laughs> Kids, if you're listening. But, like, I guess that, like, if you want to interpret Hamlet that way, be my guest. Oh, I will. (laughs) Okay, that was a challenge that I knew you would accept.
2: (laughs) Can we talk about the scene that is from Ray's POV? Yes. Because. I get excited. (laughs) (laughs) It's very good. Just, it's, I think, a really interesting move, first of all, when you have a fic that is so short to take time to show you a POV that isn't the main character. Um, and it's... I think it's like the oldest flashback that we get. Like, it's, it's yeah. the scene mm-hmm. that's set the earliest. Um, so it comes from the perspective of Michael's friend, Ray. And it's Ray sort of tracking this pattern that Michael keeps falling into. And it starts with a fix saying that um, Ray has realized that every time he gets a phone call from Michael, it's bad news. And it took him a long time to realize that. And the first time... They didn't realize it was bad news. It was Michael calling because he had met this guy and they were going to move in together and everything was so great. Um, And the fix says, it was the first piece of bad news, though neither of them knew it. And it sets this this precedent for sort of Michael falling into a relationship that does not end well. um, Sometimes putting him in a really bad spot and getting out of it and then falling right back in with the same type of guy and Ray just kind of watching it from sort of a distance and not being able to do anything about it. And so, when he first meets Jeff, he's kind of skeptical, like, this seems by all intents and purposes, it's going to be the same routine. And then he gets hopeful, because it seems like maybe it's not, and you get kind of sad because, like, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's better, but is it?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like, it it is better.
2: It's better. But is it good? Yeah. Yeah. That's, Yeah. Yeah. Also,
0: can we talk about how absolutely agonizing it is that later on in the fic you read about how Ray and Michael like aren't really friends anymore? Yes. Like they sort of are. They like interact occasionally on social media. That's
2: another thing. Like this fic does realism so it's harshly. So real. real. Ah. Ah. <laughs> it's just to me. It's interesting that like you you hear like Michael's like I met this guy. I met this guy, and they all have names. And then it's like he meets Jeff and. If this were sort of like any other, if you didn't know that the pairing was Michael Jeff, if Jeff no. wasn't one of the characters that you're no. supposed to be invested in, like you would fully be on Ray's side and you wouldn't give Jeff any of the benefit yeah. of the doubt if Jeff, Jeff were David. Gavin, if Jeff were Gavin, <laughs> if Gavin was Jeff, <laughs> but no, it's like it's like if you know if this was just a work of fiction mm-hmm. that sort of stood alone. Well, I think it sort oh. of gets back to
1: actually something. I mentioned
2: really briefly in our very first
1: fic conversation, uh-huh. which is like what we imply in a fic because we read the pairing tag. Yes, <laughs> Some yeah.
0: People read tags, and that I impacts do.
2: the way that they read fic. <laughs> it's
1: Most people, yeah. in fact,
2: I think read tags <laughs> at least okay, to but some I extent. Feel
1: like, Nick, yeah. Do you you read pairing tags often? Usually, right?
0: Usually, okay, listeners. I have to admit something to you. Uh, it's confessional hour. I very often skim or skip tags on fic uh sometimes that does include pairing tags and i get halfway through and i'm like oh that's fun this uh sometimes i also realize one paragraph in what the pairing is going to be it's often in fic especially in like tropey fic or like very fluffy fic it's super easy to spot so it's like whatever and then sometimes i'm pleasantly surprised or unpleasantly surprised (laughs) and i'm like ah it's this i guess i just like to be surprised um yeah, I've
1: <laughs> never done that. <laughs> I think because is, I'm usually looking for a particular pairing I want to read sure. in the moment. Um, but one thing I thought was really interesting about this fic that kind of goes off us yelling about how it does realism uh-huh. is also, like, the purposeful distance this fic sets. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, like, the first level of that is between us and the story itself. We see a lot of the story in hindsight. We see some of it from Ray, not Michael, like... Things are described to us with, like, a combination of these, like, really precise details and sort of, like, vagaries. Like, we don't know where they live. We don't really know, mm-hmm. like, a whole lot about their lives. There's mm-hmm. a lot of it that's just sort of, like, whoo, Yeah. <laughs> hand-waving. Yep. Like, camouflaging. Jazz hands. Jazz hands. <laughs> um, I think it's really interesting how it both feels incredibly, like, real and sort of dream-like in mm-hmm. a lot of ways, and something we haven't really gotten into, and I don't want to get it, into it too much, is that there are levels both of like sort of PTSD mm-hmm. from Michael having experienced like this pretty traumatic thing, mm-hmm. and substance abuse, and I think both of those like work in the fic to create a sort of haziness. Yeah. Um, yes. And there's so there's so there is this like sense of we know that the fic is purposely structured to make some things obscure we know that the author is like chosen to do that and yet some of that also feels like either a character not telling us everything or a character not being able to remember everything and i just think that's like not something we see a whole lot in fic um we usually like kind of trust our narrator and here we like know we're not getting everything
2: um it's an unreliable narrator but i feel like one that is very different from the way that fic usually shows them Mm -hmm. or also just like, in fiction that I've read before, like, I feel like yeah. when unreliable narrators... He's not Holden
1: Caulfield, am I right, ladies? Hi. Sorry. No.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like that was, like, the book where I mean, my English yeah, 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 teacher was yeah, like,
0: yeah. "All right, So writers. let's talk about unreliable narrators. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. you're like, kill me. <laughs> um, no, I mean, Michael doesn't lie to us, but... I think we get the sense from him that his whole story is not our business, Mm -hmm. almost.
1: Yeah. But I think, like, he doesn't lie to us, but, like, is he lying to
2: himself a little bit? You know? Probably. (laughs) Yeah. Lying by omission, kind of, like, in refusing to acknowledge sort of the reality of, like, how his relationship with Jeff is falling to pieces, the the complete refusal to acknowledge basically any emotion. Um, Yeah. Yeah,
0: so Every Man I Fall For is a really fucking good fig. read it, uh, if you want, about building your life brick by brick and then looking back on it and realizing that maybe not all of the bricks were as good as you thought they were when you were putting them there in the first place. Mm-hmm. And you should read it. <laughs> um Sort of to wrap this all up, I mm-hmm. did have one comment, um, sort of about
1: everything we've discussed, which is we did not like set a theme for this week at all. Mm-mm. We just sort of picked one three six. But I do think it's really interesting how all three of these sort of present relationships that are just off sort of the normal ficky tropes. Yeah, um, they're all just like a little bit different, whether that be like sort of the power dynamics, um, the sense of like well, when we're when we're looking
0: at. Tropes or just fic in general, we're expecting a formula like this is what a good relationship mm-hmm. looks like. Yes, and none of these fics give us the right, pure, good, like morally approved relationship. <laughs> yeah, yeah. None of this is quite that like
1: pure, unfiltered. <laughs> yes, I think probably like, fanfic trope, and I'm sure we'll get to some of that. I, but mean, I feel like
2: probably my fic more than
1: definitely more than your two. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Is is the most tropey Although, falls line. Like, but even then, but even then, like a big part of it is this person that you don't want in the relationship trying to be there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then in mine there is all this weird stuff happening, but at the same time it kind of gets close because just in the sense that like they are attracted to each other from the very beginning, like yeah. you know that they're going to be in their relationship, but it's
2: I, yeah, they have the elements quite,
1: like it's not it just doesn't quite fit like the normal
0: mm-hmm. structure. Yeah. Yeah, and mine they're good, happy, healthy. I don't know what you're talking yeah.
1: about. Mhm. Pure rom-com fluff. Never Perfect. been better.
0: <laughs> so I just
1: thought that was interesting that like we didn't try and have any through line.
2: Yeah. And yet when
1: I was thinking about all of these earlier today, I was like, huh. 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 We kind of have one anyway. We kind of have one anyway. And um, that's
0: destiny. Yes. Wow. Full fucking <laughs> <back> circle.
1: <laughs> um, Alright. Thank you so much for sticking with us yes. through this. Um, and for listening to our inaugural episode. Woo! 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 Um... We're super excited to be putting this out there. Um, Yes. It's something we've been thinking about for a really, really long time. Um, Thank you for giving it a shot. We hope that you continue to listen. Follow us on our social media at FitClick on Twitter and at Tumblr. We really want to, like, engage with everyone in these spaces, make them a space to talk about fic and fandom and community. Um, We're also accepting recs, so that's something you can send to
0: us. Any fandom, no fear.
1: Yeah, pretty much. Um, We do, like we said in our episode zero, we are mostly reading things under 50k, but you know, if you're like, this fic is the best fic of all time, and Mm -hmm. it's like 150, send it to us. Never say never. Never say never. We'll do anything. Um, (laughs) Well... Well, maybe. <laughs> um, we would love it if you share this with your friends, if you yes. liked it. Rate, review, subscribe. Is that what people say? <laughs> yeah, share it with your friends if you liked it. We would really appreciate that. We definitely want to like keep growing mm-hmm. this little baby community that we
0: have. Thank you so much for listening to episode one. Uh, for episode two, which comes out on October 25th, we are going to have three new fics that we're talking about. Reed, do you Hello. want to introduce
2: yours? Sure. My fic is... Between the Saltwater and the Sea Strand by Cloud Cover, and it is a hockey fic. But it's, it's not actually hockey. <laughs> <laughs> it's hockey players doing other things. <laughs> it's hockey players and there's no hockey One involved fan at fan all. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Nicole? Yeah, so my fic for episode two is called Resonance by, I'm so sorry if I butcher your AO3 name, Ellenoids, maybe. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and it is a critical role fic.
1: And my fic is going to be called Yellow Square. It's all in caps. Yellow Square. Yellow Square. Yellow Square. Um, It's by Deja Vu, and it is a BuzzFeed Unsolved fic. Ooh. Ooh. Ghosts. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, we really hope that you will join us for that episode as well. We will be posting links to those fics on our social media if you want to read along, or just check them out at any point. Uh Um, Thanks so much for listening.
2: Bye. Bye! <laughs>